Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And if you haven't been knee deep in your social media all weekend, then, well, you might not know of a very wild story we have for you today. And that is that the voice actress behind the video game character of Bayonetta, Helena Taylor, has been replaced. Now, in point of fact, we knew about that replacement a few weeks ago when Platinum Games, the developer of Bayonetta, announced that they were replacing Taylor with Jennifer Hale, one of the more famous voice actresses in the entire video game industry. Now, we knew of that replacement and we'd heard rumors about it last year, but we didn't know about the details, or at least some of the details, until this past weekend. And that is because Helena Taylor didn't go to lawyers, didn't go to the press directly, but instead put up a series of videos on Twitter to announce why she was upset about getting replaced and to call for a boycott of the sales of the games that actually helped make her the popular voice actress that she became, or maybe not so popular, and that might be an issue as well. Before we get into the details of this entire story, I do want to point out that here at the Hogue Law YouTube channel, Virtual Legality, Hangouts and Headlines, Lawyers and Dragons, and more are all sponsored by viewers and listeners like you. So if you're interested in looking into sponsoring something, please do check out our Utreon and our Patreon sponsorship platforms, as well as a membership on YouTube. Otherwise, just telling your friends that we're having these conversations is very, very useful. And yes, I will mention this at the end of the video again. Now, This story was so big that it got picked up in every major entertainment outlet that I could find. Here's an article from Variety. Bayonetta 3 original voice actor Helena Taylor says she was offered $4,000 to reprise the role calls for a boycott. I was just asking for a decent living wage. It's also picked up in places like The Guardian. Bayonetta actor asks fans to boycott video game over pay fight. Now use row or row or whatever in terms of the British language, uh, but I never pronounce it right. So we're just going to go with fight here. Helena Taylor, who voiced title character, says she was offered an insulting $4,000 to reprise the role. We also got it in places like TMZ. Bayonetta voice actress Helena Taylor was offered just $4,000 to voice part three. Question mark, question mark, question mark, three question marks. You know they're serious. Boycott new game fans. Now, this is Bayonetta voice actress Helena Taylor saying all these things, but TMZ has its own house style. And I looked at a number of these articles, and I looked at a number of these summaries, and I actually thought the best summary and really picked out a number of the parts that were interesting about this statement was done by Eurogamer here. So I want to give full credit uh, where it is deserved. And I want to talk about this a little before we get into the details. Now, the internet is known for its snap judgments. And certainly when you hear about someone getting offered $4,000 for what is a premier role in a video game, the main character, the title character of that video game, I will agree with everyone that says it shocks the conscience when you first hear it. Uh, but we like to take things with a critical thinking cap here in virtual legality and on this channel in general. And I do think that much of what was presented in these videos was an emotional appeal. There is nothing wrong with that. That is its own style of rhetoric. When we talk about corporate messaging, we're often talking about things that are very much not emotional and are designed to kind of deceive and hide things in order to get whatever the corporation wants to get across to the audience that it's talking to. Here, it's not corporate. It doesn't come across as corporate, but what it does come across as is rehearsed. And what we have here is an actress putting forth a series of videos that has a number of claims seeking an action item. She would prefer it that you not purchase this game. And if you don't purchase it enough, maybe send a message to Platinum Games or Nintendo that helped fund Bayonetta 3 that something is amiss here. There's nothing wrong with any of that as described. But there are details missing in this story. We're going to talk about them. 
because we talk about those kinds of things in this space. And one thing that I should give a spoiler alert on, a disclaimer, is that chances are when we get to the end of this video, you will find that I take a different tack than some of my colleagues on the internet or in the gaming coverage sphere. I won't go so far as to call us journalists, but covering these video games. Because you look at this, you want to say, that's terrible, I am very interested in that story, but maybe you don't analyze it as fulsomely as you otherwise should be because it is that kind of emotional appeal. And who likes to defend the big giant corporations anyway? Yes, I hear you commenters that just said me. Okay, let's take a look at how Eurogamer summarizes this. Helena Taylor, the original voice actress behind Bayonetta, has requested fans boycott the third game following an insulting salary offer. Taylor, who voiced the character in the first two games, has been succeeded by Jennifer Hale for the third game for unknown reasons until now. In a series of emotional videos on Twitter, Taylor explained she was offered just $4,000 as a flat rate to work on Bayonetta 3, despite her previous work and years of training. And here's where we first have to start to step back just a little bit, right? $4,000, obviously ridiculous if we were thinking about it as a TV show or a movie. And I think that's really where people fall on this is that you didn't realize until right now that voice actors and voice actresses that make the stuff that you love in video games really aren't thought of or paid like what an actor or actress gets for the fully visual mediums where their face will be appearing on screen. Now, there are reasons for that. And that is that it's an open question as to what value a given player ascribes to a given voice in a given character on what is otherwise something like a cartoon, right? Video games don't use full motion video for the most part. And to the extent that they do, that's a kind of different conversation to have with respect to rates. Go play Immortality, folks. It's one of my favorite games of the year. And that's all people on screen. But for these kinds of roles where you are a voice for a character and maybe your motion capture, I honestly don't know whether Platinum was using the same kind of motion capture techniques that other studios work to make Bayonetta and whether they would have used a separate motion capture artist and voice or whether that would have been the same person. I don't know the specifics here. Either way, there is an open question as to whether or not gamers care. Because one of the things that Helena Taylor is going to try to do in her statements is say Bayonetta has made $450 million. Now, I don't know where she is getting that number. I have never thought of Bayonetta as a real big winner in terms of the video game space. It's possible that she is conflating gross revenues with net revenues, profits with just expenditures. And I can't speak to any of that, but certainly it has made more money than $4,000. And so she looks at this and says, well, look, I'm in a salary negotiation, or I was, and I want to make that public to the people that are interested in these kinds of things, that the number I rejected was a number that you're all going to react to as low. And so she's justified in that. That's good marketing. That's good messaging. But if we really break things down, we lack the details that we should otherwise be getting. And when she says, well, I went to school for seven and a half years, that doesn't really change the equation for us, right? I went to school. I went to law school. I have a rate that I charge per hour. And some clients don't like that, prospective clients. And they say, hey, can you do it for much, much less? And I say, no, I can't. And sometimes they make offers to me that are insulting, right? Can you do it for $50 an hour? Uh, no, friend. Good luck with the free lawyer uh, support that you can go find elsewhere. Uh, but remember, you get what you paid for. And I, I don't take that as immoral necessarily. We're going to be talking about that question as I put in the thumbnail because that is something that Helena Taylor references, but it can be insulting. Come on, man. Actually treat me like what I'm worth. And I think that's what is being reacted to here. Helena Taylor doesn't think that she was offered an amount that is equivalent to what she's worth and more power to her. I advocate for everybody to go out there and fight for what you think you are worth, but the other side doesn't have to agree. 
And that's where sometimes people get a little mixed up. Continuing with their statements, this is an insult to me for the amount of time that I took to work on my talent and everything that I have given to this game and to the fans. I'm asking the fans to boycott this game and instead spend the money that you would have spent on the game donating it to charity. Always a good move in terms of messaging. You don't want to look like you're doing it for personal gain. Give it to some kind of charity. I didn't want the world. I didn't ask for too much. I was just asking for a decent, dignified living wage. What they did was legal, but it was immoral. And on this set of statements, I think you can probably already tell what is missing, right? So we've got a $4,000 offer. Question number one, what was the work expected to be, right? Separating itself from the fact that we understand that video game voice actors do provide value to the making of a game. I like certain voice actors more than others, completely over Troy Baker, sorry, Troy. Uh, But when we're looking at this question, we also know that even in their unionized contracts, and we'll talk about those a little bit more towards the end of this video, they have not successfully negotiated for residual payments, bonuses, based on the success of the project itself. So once we separate from those kinds of things, we're really talking about a kind of cost of labor concept. So as I said, I have an hourly rate. If I do something for 10 hours, I expect to get this amount of money. If you were to work as Helena Taylor for 10 hours, you would have expected to be paid at a rate of $400 an hour, which is pretty darn good for any kind of professional. So the question becomes, what were they expecting your work to be? And we'll also take a look at the SAG-AFTRA union tables in just a minute as well. The other thing that we are missing from this statement, and I do understand, again, being sympathetic and empathetic to what she's going out there with, is what did you ask for, right? I didn't want the world. I didn't ask for too much. I was just asking for a decent, dignified living wage. It is notable in its absence when you go out with what the offer was, with a dollar sign attached to it, and you refuse to say what your ask was. Because people are going to come at it differently if you are asking for, let's say, $100,000 for 10 hours of work. Uh, That's going to ring in people's ears a little bit differently, especially people that are struggling to make ends meet and otherwise tightening their belts in a down economy. So you don't do that necessarily. And we don't know what the ask is, which leaves me in the position of saying, "Mm, it probably didn't optically look very good for what is clearly a kind of scripted presentation of these events. So again, cynical corporate lawyer here, but I look at this and I say, okay, so you're not saying what you were asked to do. We don't know how many lines you would have had to read. We don't know what that situation was. You are taking ownership of this property where at bare minimum, you are a part of its success and not its entire success. Obviously, you don't code video games. You don't animate Bayonetta. You don't come up with the stories. You don't do these kinds of things. That isn't to discount what it is that you do, but you're claiming ownership of a franchise that Platinum and Nintendo might just decide to look at and say, well, we don't think people are coming here to this property to hear your voice. And they might not be wrong. I know that hurts. That sucks, right? Nobody likes to hear that about the value that they otherwise provide to the universe. And I don't blame anybody for getting emotional about that particular conceit, but it is possible. The other aspect of that, right, is that the internet goes out and says, Well, Jennifer Hale is one of the more famous video game voice actresses, right? She's Naomi from Metal Gear. She's Bastilla or Bastila from Knights of the Old Republic. She's any number of voice actions that you have heard in video games throughout your video gaming lifetime. She couldn't possibly be less than that. The answer to that is correct, right? When you're negotiating a contract, one of the things you have to worry about is negotiating yourself out of the job. 
right? Let's say that she asks for just $25,000, which seems like a reasonable amount, but maybe that's high in the voice acting market. And we will see in the rate sheets that it almost certainly is. And then the company has a moment of reflection. This is an inflection point. They say, okay, how many people are really coming for this voice? We're going to have to deal with some marketing issues if we get rid of her. And indeed, they are currently dealing with those marketing issues. But, well, if we're going to pay that amount anyway, why don't we potentially go and get somebody that might actually sell tickets to this show? Right. Jennifer Hale is a name. Troy Baker is a name. Nolan North is a name. Certainly movie stars and television show actors are names. Celebrities are used in these contexts all the time. So when you are looking at that number, you say, actually, I want 25. They said, no, we're going to give you four. Says, I'm sticking to my guns. Great. Great for you. You put yourself in a different market of comparison. When you can't, Helena Taylor, whose, vo- whose name I didn't know before doing this research and looking at this particular situation over the weekend, if Helena Taylor doesn't sell video games by herself, Jennifer Hale might, then if you're comparing those two particular axes, then maybe you say, all right, if I got to spend the money anyway, I will spend it on a voice actor that we think can actually get people excited about the game. And people have been excited about Jennifer Hale being announced to be in this game. So there's a whole host of things that are happening here that we're only getting kind of a half message about. That doesn't mean you couldn't have an opinion on it. And certainly Twitter is flush with opinions from all sorts of people on this particular topic, but we have to pay attention to the information we're not getting in the context of the situation as it actually developed. She continues asking fans to boycott the game. And I think this is a bit of a party foul. So the actual context of this video is she says, you don't have to boycott the game. And then she finishes that thought with, if you're someone who cares about people who cares about the world around you or who cares about who gets hurt with these financial decisions, you should boycott the game. And I think that is an emotional appeal that's really a little bit more uh, extortionate than maybe even she intended right? You don't have to boycott the game. You're excited about Bayonetta. This is a character that you guys love. Maybe you're just the hardest core of Bayonetta fans. I'm asking you to not buy the game. You don't have to do that. I would never ask you that. But if you're actually someone that cares about people, of course, you should boycott the game. That's, That's a slam, right? That's shade. That's if you choose not to boycott the game, you're not someone who cares about people. And as a bias of my own, editorializing a bit, that's the kind of thing that gets me to do the exact opposite of what you're asking for right? Oh, well, don't boycott it. But if you care about people, you should boycott it. (laughs) Well, I think I care about people, but I'm not going to let you put me in that box. And I think some people will react to that. That's a mistake in messaging. Uh, But it does kind of go to show that this is a voice actress that appears to actually be emotionally hurt by this loss in role. And I feel for her, Uh, but she's taking ownership of certain aspects of both the fandom and the property and the character that perhaps are a bit unwarranted. She released the video to stand up for those around the world who do not get paid properly for their talents. She said the lack of money affected her mental health. Once she was suicidal, this is a kind of segue sequence that says, you know, she's struggled in her career and she's had problems with these kinds of things. I don't think she's intending to put it specifically on Platinum and Bayonetta, but it's all, of course, one big melange muddy ball of argument that is designed to say, look at what these evil companies did. And so many of my colleagues and other internet users are quick to jump on that when, honestly, the pricing matters. It matters what you were selling to this company. It matters what they wanted. Uh, And we don't know enough to actually judge that in your favor. And honestly, if you don't put it in some kind of note like the one that you just made in video form on Twitter, my tendency is to think that those facts don't go in your favor. Bayonetta always stands up for those with less power and stands up for what is right. And in doing this, you stand with her, she said. And again, implying that if you don't, then you don't. 
In a third video, she explains how she auditioned once again for the role, but received an insulting offer. She then wrote to game director Hideki Kamiya to tell him what she's worth. She received a complimentary reply, but with the $4,000 offer. This is actually undersold in this article and others that I've seen. One of the aspects of this messaging that is on the headlines, right, is that $4,000. At least according to her, it's the second offer. The one that she really was insulted by, the one that she felt was immoral as it is, was another offer that was presumably less than $4,000. And I can certainly understand feeling offended. I can certainly understand being insulted by these particular offers. But to get back to the question posed by the thumbnail, is that immoral? I would argue that it isn't. All sorts of people make offers to other people that are not ones that the other side is willing to give their products, goods, or services for. And that's a missed negotiation. It's a very interesting conversation between various different societies and jurisdictions and peoples and cultures around the world about whether or not it's acceptable to essentially lowball an offer. I got this a lot when I was trying to buy my house, as a little aside for me, which is that I would offer amounts that I was willing to pay for the domicile I was looking at, regardless of what the asking price was. And it drove my real estate agent somewhat crazy. (laughs) But that was what I was willing to offer. I thought that was useful information. This is what I'm willing to pay. No, it's not what you're asking for. But if you are inclined to sell the house at that number, I am interested in it. I'm not trying to insult anyone. This is what I value this house at. Uh, And again, yeah, I'm a robot. I have no heart. Sometimes you might hear from co-counsel. And I make these negotiations as a corporate lawyer more than an individual. But in offering a low offer, I don't really think that that is an assertion of the value of you as a person. It's the assertion of the value we think that we get out of the service that you intend to provide or the value that we think we can replace your services at. And if we're going to jump up to a Jennifer Hale, well, then we might as well get Jennifer Hale in terms of the money that we are spending. You don't have to like that process. Labor markets, contractor markets can feel icky, right? And it's a legal term of art, as I often say in this space. But we do have to account for the fact that every business is trying to make these decisions to ultimately become profitable. There was a Twitter thread that I saw yesterday that said, well, Bayonetta 3, you don't have to worry about boycotting it. It was never going to be profitable anyway. I tend to agree with that, by the way, that Nintendo is essentially building a loss leader so that they can say they have a game of this type and caliber on their system. And we don't know how it will ultimately play or come out but that I don't anticipate it to drive either Nintendo Switch sales or to save Platinum Games that is having a rough patch of game development. So I don't know that you need to boycott the game to make it real difficult for Platinum, but Platinum has to be evaluating what it's actually getting from the value of whatever it is that it's paying for or doing. Now, Eurogamer also mentions here, it's unclear how much work Taylor would have undertaken for the role, although U.S. actors union SAG-AFTRA does publish standard rates, which we can look at right now. And if we go and we look at the SAG-AFTRA rates, we see that off-camera performers get about $1,000 a day, give or take. Uh, And that's for a four-hour day because using your voice takes up strength. Right? There have been videos in this space where I've said, hey, I got I to gotta take a break because I need a water or, or tea or whatever it might be because being evocative, using your voice in a strong way takes a lot of effort. So they deserve every bit of this money. But at $1,000 for four hours a day, you're looking at something like $250 an hour as your rate. And that allows them to ask for up to three voices. And maybe you say, Rick, well, that's off-camera performance. That's only voiceovers, right? She could be doing motion capture. She could. At that point, for an on-camera performer, you get a very similar, actually an identical number, 956.75. Again, these are unionized, kind of negotiated positions. And if you are going to stay for a week, a weekly performer, six-day, overnight location, 
uh, it's going to be about $3,600. You offer $4,000. If you think you can get that recording done in a week, then that's about the offer that you would make. And is that unconscionable? I wouldn't do that work for that amount of money, but I'm my own person. I'm not a voice actor in video games. Nobody's called me to be a voice actor in video games, at least. Who knows? Uh, you never know in the future. Who knows what the future holds? But that's not what I have sought out uh, in my future until now. Uh, and so it says it's about $4,000 to do a week of work for one of these video games. If they think they can get you done in a week, then $4,000 seems like a reasonable offer, even though... People that are used to seeing, well, what did Robert Downey Jr. get for Avengers in the headlines in Variety or the Hollywood Reporter? Look at the thousands instead of millions and say, what? But video gaming has always been treated differently. <clears throat> and until voice actors either want to band together in a separate union or want to just stand fast to we're not going to work for less money, well, then they're getting what they're getting, right? And we're going to talk about that a little bit from the Jennifer Hale side of things in just a moment. Hale, the voice of Bayonetta in the forthcoming third game, has previously voiced the likes of Rivet and Ratchet and Clank, Samus in the Metroid Prime Trilogy, and Female Shepard, or as Eurogamer puts it, Femshep, in Mass Effect, among others. With such a remarkable career, many fans are suggesting her fee may have been higher than the $4,000 Taylor was offered. And again, I would say, Helena Taylor is not the name you put on the box to potentially get people invested. Jennifer Hale actually is, and is one of the few in the video gaming space. Then they bring up a Yang Ye tweet, which we'll discuss as well. And I also want to talk about some of the things that really got weird on this. So that's the overall kind of news item here with some editorializing and some opinion giving by me. I do want to point out that this was announced a little bit earlier. We've got quotes from other sources like my Nintendo News here that talks about how Platinum mentioned this, right? and talks about it from the perspective of Helena. She says, Platinum said that I was very busy, that I had a tough schedule. I actually had nothing but time. I wish the new actress all the best luck in the world, but she's not the voice of Bayonetta. I created that voice. She has no right to sign merchandise as Bayonetta any more than I have the right to sign as Eva Green, even though I was her parrot in the video game of the Golden Compass. And there are portions of these statements that wind up coming across as a little weird and maybe even a little entitled, depending on how you look at it. Certainly, Jennifer Hale voices Bayonetta. She can sign as Bayonetta. Uh, and to the extent that either of the voice actors are signing as Bayonetta, if I really wanted to get down to it, you've got trademark and copyright issues because Bayonetta is not their character. Actors are always allowed to do this kind of thing. It's essentially a tacit agreement from people that make the content itself. But overall, if you don't want them to be associated with Bayonetta Platinum Games or whoever owns the rights to Bayonetta itself could potentially stop them from signing that entirely. So we've got that fight in and of itself. But we also have this fight. Platinum said I was very busy that I had a tough schedule. This is an accusation in the middle of this statement that effectively Platinum lied, that they said it was scheduling conflicts. And I said, oh, I should go find that quote. And when I did my research on this, I couldn't find that quote exactly. From a couple of weeks ago, there was a quote from the director, Miata, here, that said the following. Various overlapping circumstances made it difficult for Helena Taylor to reprise her role. We held auditions to cast the new voice of Bayonetta and offered the role to Jennifer Hale, whom we felt was a good match for the character. I understand the concerns some fans have about the voice change at this point in the series, but Jennifer's performance was way beyond what we could have imagined. I'm confident that her portrayal of Bayonetta will exceed our fans' expectations. Now, this is a translation as it stands. 
And perhaps Helena Taylor has more information than me on this. I'm fully willing to accede to that possibility. But as it stands right now, and this is what was reported in every other outlet that covered this, the statement is various overlapping circumstances made it difficult for Helena Taylor to reprise her role. Which in corporate messaging land, it doesn't describe a scheduling conflict. It describes circumstances, which can include and not be limited to scheduling conflict, of course, but also a dispute over salary or a dispute over character or a dispute over rights to merchandising or whatever else it might be. The ability to sign my name as Bayonetta at Comic-Con or whatever you might be thinking. And so looking at this, I think this is another point where perhaps the quote is a bit unfair. I do think, however, that most people are going to read this as scheduling difficulties rather than financial ones, and that is playing a little bit on the sliding scale of duplicity at the platinum side, as I think it also is at the Helena Taylor side. All of these things, contract negotiations and disputes, folks, whenever you see them in the news, are always more complicated than they initially appear. So now we've got a notion of a set of statements that are a little bit over the top in terms of ownership of the character, a little bit meanly framed towards Jennifer Hale, her replacement, almost implying that she shouldn't be replacing her, she can't sign the name Bayonetta. We don't get information about the length of time that was required to do the work, and we don't get the number for what she was asking for, or other aspects, benefits or perks of what she was asking for. So we don't really have enough for the kind of outrage that is intended to be drummed up, but that doesn't prevent all of these headlines. So mission accomplished if you are in fact Helena Taylor or Helena Taylor's agent. Now things get even more weird. If we go and we look at various places to give full credit to Yangye, who I believe has a video on this that you can check out on his channel, he noted that Jennifer Hale had been liking these various tweets saying she can't say anything, she's under an NDA because people were getting mad at Jennifer Hale because again, Helena Taylor had framed Jennifer Hale's involvement as something like a striking line jumper. Uh, and that of course wasn't the case. And Jennifer Hale says uh, nothing she just likes these various tweets, which in and of itself could get her into trouble, but this is noted. It's also worthwhile to note who Jennifer Hale is. She's a representative of the highest end of voice acting in video games and was the quoted source for things like the end of the video game voice actor strike in the fall of 2017. You can see Female Shepherd here. You can see Jennifer Hale right here. And here is the CBC talking about getting past that strike, getting fair payment, for video games, and they have some very interesting quotes from Jennifer Hale. Here in the section, bonus payments, video game voice work does not provide residual payments that are typical in other entertainment media like television or films. Unless they're one of the handful of high profile actors who can negotiate their deal going into a project, they're given a flat fee for the recording session, even if the game goes on to sell millions of copies worldwide. One of the early games I did, and this is Jennifer Hale talking, way back when I did two sessions, did the whole game in two sessions. I made scale, so it was just around $1,600 that I made. That's the scale we were just looking at. Just shy of that, I was one of the female leads, and the game went on to make $276 million, says Hale. Had I been an on-camera actor on a project like that, my quote, as they call it, would have gone through the roof, and my financial future from that point forward would have been quite different. But because we're voice actors, the companies producing these games find us easier to dismiss. So you have Jennifer Hale, the replacement of this voice actor for Bayonetta, being one of the voices for stronger unionization, stronger union negotiations, higher rates, residual bonuses, but their union didn't get those things. 
The new agreement awards voice actors a bonus payment based on the number of recording sessions for a game and increases the more sessions are recorded for a single project starting at $75 for the first session and up to $2,100 for 10 or more sessions. So even if you have to do 10 sessions, the bonus we're talking about is not $100,000. We're talking about as agreed upon by the union, $2,000 or a little bit more than that. The union originally demanded a bonus payment for $825 for every 2 million copies a game sold with an upper limit of $3,300 for a title that sold 8 million copies or more. Residual payments were not granted in the agreement. So one thing you can take away here, and you don't have to like this at all, you can abhor this, is that this particular portion of SAG-AFTRA, the voice actors in video games portion of their union, is not a strong one, right? That these aren't great rates. And it's not a strong one because the video game developers basically said, we're not even sure if we need you. We're not even sure if we can't do this all with non-union work. So when you look at these kinds of things, yes, those numbers are low, but they're low across the board until you get to somebody like a Jennifer Hale, who mentions that early on she worked at scale, presumably she doesn't work at scale anymore. So it sounds like what Platinum offered was effectively something like scale to this voice actor, and they decided that they didn't like it and that they were very offended by the notion. They're allowed to be offended. Is it immoral? I question that very, very much. Now, Platinum Games, and more specifically Hideki Kamiya, did himself no favors in this story. So as of October 15th, when this was all breaking, two days ago, you've got various people covering aspects of this. Here's uh, Nibble on Twitter showing that Hideki Kamiya had said the following in their tweet, sad and deplorable about the attitude of untruth. That's what all I can tell now. That's all I can say right now. By the way, beware of my rules. And then he got banned or suspended for a second. Articles indicate that that was because he was blocking too many people who were angry at him for this tweet. And then a little bit later on, he tweeted out the word resurrection with a little picture here. He, he's back on Twitter now and he's a... Um, He's an interesting guy to look operate on, on social media. So that's the end of the story as we see it right now. The important part I really wanted to put forth here is that this is a very sympathetic story and nobody wants to work for what they deem to be less than their true value. So we can all be very sympathetic about that. But from a negotiation standpoint, from the critical thinking side of things, a whole lot of details are left out. And it's really unclear whether or not someone should be offended by this, because quite frankly, we don't know if Bayonetta is one of the main characters in Bayonetta 3. There are a lot of main characters that have been mentioned in their trailers. There's a whole bunch of stuff with respect to the plot. We don't know what even the ask was. Was it 2,000 lines? Was it 20,000 lines? How long would it take? And that is what voice actors in the video game industry have agreed to be their metric. So clearly this person is offended. We can be sympathetic to that, but there's always, as usual, a whole lot more to the story. If you like these conversations about law and business and technology and video games, please do consider supporting the channel at Utreon or Patreon, or as I mentioned before, just subscribing, upvoting, heck, downvoting. YouTube loves those as well. Leaving comments and otherwise engaging with the material. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, 
please consult your own legal counsel.